Hey, it's Sean here from The Commander's Brew. Thank you for listening. Fun one for you today. Uh, the deck is based around the Stranger Things show, and it's trying to combine the theme of the show plus D&D in general, initiative, delving into the dungeon, that sort of thing. And I think this is a great episode to introduce an idea I've been toying around with for a while. It's in the subject of theme decks. There's a lot of fun to be had making a theme. As you'll see, it's fun to look up the characters and who represents the characters. Over the years of the show, we've done a few theme decks. Not a ton, because they are tricky to do. It's hard to make them into functioning decks. However, I think this tip does help in that regard. I'm inspired partly by the Stranger Things having Stranger Things characters, but also just real magic alternatives that sort of fit the theme of magic. Weird artificers and wizards that live in the world, or you can actually have Eleven and Mike and Max from the actual show. The thing that kind of clinches it is that we had that Street Fighter secret lair not too long ago, and they gave us Lightning Bolt, but they called it Hadouken, which is perfect for Street Fighter. You could argue that there is lightning in Street Fighter with Blanca, something like that, but you got to have the fireball. And I'm not going to get into why they put fireball as lightning bolt and not as fireball. That's a little bit of a weird thing, but it just goes to show that you can name cards whatever you want. As long as you don't change the card, it's still allowed. And I can't imagine a table that wouldn't allow you to just rename cards, but nothing else changed. If they don't like it, they can go to the original name. It's not that different from people who do art alters. An alt art, an alt altar, alt, alt, that's hard to say. An alt, an art alter is a fine thing to do. No one would ever complain if you took your Sol ring and made it look like a Homer Simpson donut. Now that I think about it, that's probably a very cool alter, and I think I need to start working on that. But I digress. If you I'm trying to think of an example. I use one in the episode, and I don't want to spoil that one until I get there because I think it's pretty exciting. But if you were to do more Street Fighter based things, I definitely would want something to represent like the continuation. Like if your character gets defeated, you can put in another quarter and continue and go. So maybe take a reanimator spell and just change it to continue. Maybe put the art of the beat up Ryu that they sometimes put on the the continue screen. I'm think, thinking way back to the Street Fighter 2 days. That's easily the most Street Fighter I've played. You know, it's a game about combat, so any removal spell could just be named after moves in the game. Vega's move where he climbs up the chain wall and then does that diving dive bomb thing, claws you in the back. I mean, it's very evocative to imagine going through that so vega's wall dive could just be something like go for the throat and now your deck is full of characters who represent the street fighter characters and all your other spells are moves in the game so the whole way through the game you're doing moves you're comboing even like you could even kind of put cards that synergize together and name them after moves that con that combo together is opt just jab you just cast an, a jab into an uppercut. That's, that's a fun thing to do. So I trust you get where I'm getting at. Renaming cards to whatever you want is a solid way to improve the theme of any deck. And I honestly believe it's not going to cause any flack with any tables you run to. 
perhaps someone is a little bit annoyed at continually asking you, wait, so what's the real name of that thing? Can you please just use the real names of these cards instead of these stupid names? Yeah, okay, maybe you run into that. But I, if I was at that table, I would continue to play. I would make a mental note that this person's a bit of a grumpy Gus, and maybe I don't want to play a lot of games with them in the future. That's okay. You don't have to play games with everybody. And I think I would be like, okay, I'm going to do a jab into an uppercut, which is opt into, I don't even know, some sort of storm card. Everybody wins. No one can tell you not to say other things about the cards. I mean, now that I'm kind of thinking about it philosophically, we all call him Gary, but it's Gray Merchant of Asphodel. And I've never heard anyone being like, can you not use fake names, please? We all understand it to be true. I get that the dissonance is when you don't know what you mean. I have to use language that you understand in game terms, but it's all written on the card. Maybe I'll just put a little special tab of the extra name and the extra space at the top of the title bar, something like that. A little bit of white out across the top, something stuck onto the sleeve. Anyway, up your theme decks by changing the names on cards. And now I'm going to do a little bit of business and then we'll get to the deck deck. And I'll apologize in advance if I go into this sort of tirade on how to rename cards. I do record these intros after I record the episode. So in this case, it's been a little while and I don't remember if I talked about it. But in any case, I do thank you for listening. Thank you for those who go to patreon.com slash commandersbrew, like and subscribe on YouTube, use the TCG player link in all the info to buy cards. Unless you're in Canada, then you can hear an ad from the Wizards Tower. But before we do, I've got an ad from Darksteel Industries, of course, because they're the main owner of the show now. I signed it not an agreement without reading it. So anyway, Darksteel Industries and then the Wizard Tower. And then the deck deck. Trucks, cliffside streets, roads, dirt. The 2023 Darksteel Juggernaut can get you where you want to go, and it's also indestructible. That means no road is too rocky, and no jam is too trafficy. Just plow right through everybody like they don't even matter. The Dark Steel Juggernaut. Ooh, baby, get on board. And now the relay from the Wizard's Tower. Wizardtower.com. Deck techs, strategy guides, all sorts of cool content. Coupon codes for Canadian viewers. Brew Double. That gets you 5% off your order of magic singles if you spend $20 or more. Rugged and affordable. Back to the show. Okay, Stranger Things, the theme deck. Obviously, this is inspired by the Stranger Things universes beyond secret lair, whatever the official category of them are. But we also have in-world versions of them. So we don't actually have to use the Stranger Things ones if we don't want to, or if we can't afford them. For example, uh, I'll tell you who's in the command zone. We're using 11 and will. So I guess 11 is five bucks. That's pretty cheap. And will is three. Well, these are very cheap. Why are they so cheap? Anyway, I guess you could do the Stranger Things ones pretty cheap, but the the magic in-world ones, 11 is Cecily Haunted Mage, one blue, red, black. This is a Grixis commander, and Will is just white, black. That's Orzov. So we actually have four colors here. So let's read 11, or Cecily Haunted Mage. Three, five for that four mana, Grixis plus one. Your maximum hand size is 11. 
I see what you did there. And whenever Cecily attacks, you draw a card and lose a life. And then if you have 11 or more cards in your hand, you may cast an instant or sorcery without paying its mana cost. That's huge. It's not hard in blue to get ourselves up to 11. So we're just going to have a lot of easy draw spells to get up to 11, cast some free big ones. Also, Friends Forever is the ability, which is a very cool ability. It allows us to go into partners without actually being partners. And the friend forever is with Will and or Wernog Rider's Chaplain. What's the story of Cecily and Wernog? I don't know who Wernog is. I don't know why they're pals with Cecily forever, but they've been through a lot on Innistrad, clearly. Wernog or Will is white black for a 1-2 human. When they enter or leave the battlefield, each opponent may investigate. Each opponent who does not loses a life, and you investigate X times where X is 1 plus the number of opponents who did investigate. So we make a clue, at least one clue, and we could make more clues. Like a lot of these effects, your opponents should decline because giving you more things is not great as well. Once you have a bunch of clues, maybe they're going to be like, yeah, sure, take it. Well, you've already got seven. What's what's one more? You do have to pay two to crack them to draw cards. Giving your opponents that opportunity is obviously not incredible, but here we are. We're going to amass clues. I want to take a moment and talk about the other Stranger Things cast that are in this deck and that would be Bjorna, Nightfall Alchemist. Oh, you don't remember this old lady with lightning bolts coming out of her? That's red-blue. Oh, maybe you know her better as Lucas, little boy who is on the basketball team. I guess by the time he makes the basketball team, he's not a little boy anymore. They they grow up a lot. The show's been on for long enough that they were little kids, and now they're bigger kids. Anyway, Bjorna, or Lucas, is a red and blue. Is it? 1-3 human with a tap ability. Sacrifice an artifact, aka a clue. Bjorna or Lucas deals one damage to target creature and you goad that creature. So that's great. We can do some pinging. We can do some goading. I love that. Next up is Hargild Kindly Rune Chanter. This is Orzov, also known as Dustin. This is sub gadget genius. Is that true? Is he a gadget genius? Anyway, Hargild Kindly Rune Chanter, two white, blue. Human, 2-3, tap to add colorless colorless, spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. It's perfect for cracking clues, just cracks one clue. I think the theme on these is excellent. They really play together quite nicely. There's a lot of counterplay, they go together. I didn't mention this, but 11 works very well if you're always cracking clues, because then you get up to 11 cards in hand much easier. It's pretty, it's pretty neat, little tight design. We're also running Sophina, Spear Sage Deserter. That's the Boros 1-2 Red White, also known as Chief Jim Hopper. And it's a 4-4 with Menace for 4. And whenever they attack, investigate once for each non-token attacking creature. Friends forever. This is a way to put a lot of pieces on the battlefield. A lot of, what do you call it? A lot of material there. You attack with like three or four creatures. That's a lot of pieces of equipment. That's or I shouldn't say pieces of equipment, that's truly not what they are. But it's a lot of clues, it's a lot of artifacts, it's a lot of objects. Things to sack, things to tap for other benefits. This is this is a very powerful card. We could have had all five colors in the command zone, including green, but we did not choose to do that. I'd rather have Will in the command zone. So we lose out on Max, aka Elmar Ulvenwald and Formant. This is the red-green one. This gruel, one red green, three two for haste. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, untap a creature, then investigate. Great. 
more clues. And we also don't have access to Mike, uh, one green white, also known as Othelm, Sigardian Outcast, legendary human, 2-2, two, two, two and tap. Choose target creature in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Return it to the battlefield tapped. It's very powerful. Very good ability. But uh, sorry, Max. Sorry, Mike. We're not using you. Uh, I also want to say sorry, Mike, for your card itself, because I don't think it looks a ton like the person in the show. Although the ones are pretty good job of looking like who they are. But this Mike doesn't look like Mike. Sorry. Sorry about that. Strolling's Finn Wolfhard. So I feel like there should be some wolf stuff in there. I mean, that's the actor's name. He's not a wolf, but it's a cool name. Wolfhard. This kid wolf's hard. Anyway, the other fun thing to do is to look into some supporting cast. And there's some awesome hits here. Conspiracy theorist. One in a red for human shaman. Two, two. Whenever it attacks, you may pay one and discard a card. And if you do draw a card, and what if you discard one or more non-land cards, you may exile one of them from your graveyard. If you do, you may cast it this turn. Excellent ability. Good for looting. Helps with future loots and discards. This picture looks so much like Brett Gelman, who plays Murray, who is the show's conspiracy theorist. It's perfect. Did they get this from him? I don't know. The character of Steve is... Pretty interesting. Uh, a lot of the memes about Steve or how he's a babysitter. They even joke about it in the show. He's always hanging out with these younger kids. Uh, he's a very strong protector. He's also a warrior, right? So like, is he a cleric? Is he a warrior? What are you going to do with him? So I think two eligible cards. I'm not sure, you know, which one do you want to go with? I think Dauntless Bodyguard works perfect. This is the human knight two one for white. When it comes in, choose another creature. That creature gains indestructible until end of turn if you sacrifice Steve. Steve doesn't really sacrifice himself, does he? I don't know. The, the, there's another season coming. Who knows what fate will befall Steve? Uh, or maybe he's blood-soaked champion. I mean, this guy looks tough. <laughs> the blood-soaked champion. You know, the idea of going to the upside down and coming back out, kind of getting attacked a bunch, soaked in blood, if you will. Uh, he's also holding huge weapons. This is the single black human warrior can't block, but also raid one in a black return it to the battlefield only if you attack this turn. I like that for Steve. And speaking of universes beyond, we have Lucille, which is that bat from The Walking Dead. It's wrapped in like barbed wire, but that's kind of what Steve uses in a lot of the show. So let's just throw that in. What does it even do? I don't know. One on a black, a legendary equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus oh, and menace. And whenever it attacks, defending player sacks a creature. And if they do, you create a walker token. That's weird. It's a, what is it? It's a zombie. It's a 2-2 zombie. But it's called walker. Anyway, now, if you've watched the latest season, I'm not going to give you any spoilers. Don't worry. Uh, if I forgot to say that up front, I apologize. I'll probably edit one in. But we got to have Eddie Munson. He's a cool character. Everyone really likes him. And I think... The people did not predict how much we would like him. I think the 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 expected fan favoritism was not not predicted. It never is. Uh, and I say that because they made a bunch of pop Funkos. I'm always impressed at how deep they go on those. No, Eddie. So I guess they didn't think he was cool enough to make the team anyway. But I think we got to represent him. And I hope we're not doing Eddie wrong by making him the insufferable balladeer, one in a red, dwarf bard, 2-1. But it's a dude playing guitar, and I think it fits thematically a little bit. Vicious Mockery. 
Already, that name kind of fits, but when Insufferable Paladeer enters the battlefield, target creature an opponent controls can't block this turn. Goat it. You know, distracting people by playing some music. I think this is a, this is an excellent card. It, this is what is so fun about theme decks, because it's very satisfying to find a card that just fits quite so nicely. I would want to change the art. I mean, if I was if I love this deck and I really wanted this to be like my pride and joy, I'd get a little altar going. You can put actual Eddie in there. That'd be pretty sick, actually. I want to spend a second and talk about what I believe is the ultimate key into making theme decks more playable. As I said earlier, theme decks have the tendency to be not that fun or not that effective. Their power level tends to be a little bit too low to kind of hang with regular tables. But we can add some power to the deck by putting in a bunch of cards that maybe are off theme. That's the struggle, right? You have to be like, well, I got a bunch of cards that are a little bit off theme, but they're on synergy. So there we go. Here's my idea that I think breaks this wide open. And I'm getting this from all this universes beyond stuff. Like, I mean, our commander is 11, but also known as Cecily Hunted Mage. Two names for the exact same functional card. And if your opponent's like some opponents are like, well, I refuse to play the Stranger Things. So it's like, okay, so then you can imagine this is Sicily, but I'm playing with the card of 11 here. What's stopping us from renaming cards to whatever we want? I mean, we've got a lot of D&D based cards already. Like there's a card called you come to a river and you find some prisoners. So like that's just a phrase that doesn't like say i mean i guess it kind of implies some action just to, to be complete you come to a river as an instant for one and a blue you choose one return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand bounce something or target creature gets plus one plus one can't be blocked so they have sub names too like fight the current or find a crossing so you come to a river what do we do there it's a weird name but you know, you find some prisoners, same deal. One in a red for an instant. What do you want to do? You want to break their chains or interrogate them? If you break their chains, you destroy an artifact. And if you interrogate them, you exile the top three cards of an opponent's library until end of turn. And then you choose one of those and you can play it until the end of your... Sorry, I got the timing off. Exile three, choose one. Until the end of your next turn, you can play that card and you can spend mana of any color. So we get to name whatever we want. And I think Azor's Gateway... Is a cool legendary artifact. If you've forgotten what it is, it's a two mana artifact, one and tap loot. Although instead of discarding the card, you exile a card. So draw a card, then exile a card from your hand. And if cards with five or more different converted mana costs are exiled with Azor's Gateway, you gain five life, untap it and transform it. And it becomes a land legendary that is tap add X mana of any one color to your mana pool where X is your life total. That's a ton of mana. I would love to transform this. I never have. But who the F is Azor? Azor doesn't exist in Stranger Things. Well, no problem. Just call it Gateway to the Upside Down, and it's a perfect fit. It, it even kind of makes sense once you flip it, because now you make like basically boatloads of mana, so you harness the entire power of it. What's the land called on the other side? How about the Upside Down, period? I mean, maybe it's too big. Like, I don't know. I don't know if the rules... In the lore of how big a land is, like some lands are like a building, but some land seems like a whole island can be huge. So a mountain is big. I don't know. Can the and things are within things like if we do the whole upside down, like can there be anything else in the upside down? In that? Anyway, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just saying it's a cool way to get things renamed. While we're on the subject, we're 
we're planning on making a ton of clues, a lot of little artifacts. So, you know, you know this trick already. Something like Shimmer Dragon belongs in the deck and Gear Up or Ether Grid. These are things to do with our artifacts if we're not cracking the clues. Shimmer Dragon, four blue, blue, dragon, flying, five, six. If you control four or more artifacts, it has hexproof. Tap two untapped artifacts, draw a card. Great. Gear Up or Aether Grid, same deal. Two in a red, tap two artifacts you control. It deals one damage to a creature or player. Shimmer Dragon fits the D&D theme. I'm fine leaving that. Gear per ether grid, that doesn't make sense for Stranger Things, no problem. How about the Hawkins energy grid? I know that the Hawkins laboratory, which is already a card, so we can't name it Hawkins Lab, but they're pretending that they're part of the energy. I mean, if you can remember way back in season one, the Hawkins Lab, they're under the guise of just being an energy company. That's sort of the cover there. So great, call it that. If someone's like, that's not a card, it's like, well, it's gear per ether grid but I'm calling it Hawkins Energy Grid. Get over yourself. Okay, now I want to spend a sec and talk about all the like the parts of the deck that I think are the D&D part. We're, I would like to make this a functional deck, and I kind of want to lean into the venturing and initiative theme to do so. Since we're going to be focusing on venturing and taking the initiative, etc., uh, I think we have an opportunity to include Sephiroth of the Hidden Ways. White, blue, black, legendary human wizard, 2-3. Whenever one or more creature cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, venture into the dungeon. This ability triggers only once each turn. Then, whenever you complete a dungeon, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I don't expect completing dungeons to happen a bunch of times a game. I'm not planning on building around that, but getting extra ventures is great. How else are we going to get ventures into the dungeon? I think Immovable Rod is an interesting one. It's a single white for an artifact. You may choose not to untap it, and whenever it becomes untapped, venture into the dungeon. It's a random artifact, so how do you tap it? Well, you can use the ability that it has, three and a white for as long and tap. For as long as Immovable Rod remains tapped, another target permanent loses all abilities and can't attack or block. In an emergency, that's fine. Probably going to run some removal that I would rather use instead of paying four mana and tapping this because I want to tap it and untap it. So this becomes an artifact that I am tapping with Gear Per Ether Grid, with the Shimmer Dragon. Heck, here's yet another artifact along with all those clues that I think now, and this one's perfectly on point, is Clock of Omens. Very strong symbol in the show. And it is the perfect card for this deck. It's a four minute artifact. Tap two untapped artifacts you control to untap target artifact. Well, that's great. I can untap something like Azor's Gateway or some or big mana rock that I have renamed into something else. It's a great way to get extra ramp and use those clues. And uh, Null Rod is another way, it's another thing I like to tap with that. So that's great. That's more ventures there. Yuan T Maleson. It's a one of the blue snake rogue. It's a two one creature. Can't be blocked if it's attacking alone. And when it deals combat damage to a player, player you venture. Delver's Torch, one and a white. Equipped creature gets plus one plus one and equips for three, which is pricey. But whenever a equipped creature attacks, venture into the dungeon. Triumphant Adventurer, white black death touch, one one. If it's your turn, it has first strike. First strike and death touch is powerful, very hard to block. And whenever it attacks, venture into the dungeon. Nadar's Selfless Paladin, two and a white. Dragon Knight, 3-3 Vigilance, whenever it enters a battlefield or attacks, venture. Other creatures get an Anthem, plus one, plus one, as long as you've completed a dungeon. We'll probably complete a dungeon a couple times. 
planar ally, three white white for a three three flyer. Is that too expensive? I don't know. When it attacks, venture into the dungeon. That's a ton of attacking to enter into the dungeon. I think there's room for Ishin two heavens as one. This is the Mardu legendary human samurai three four. If a creature attacking causes a triggered ability or of a permanent you control to trigger, it triggers an additional time. Now all these creatures or whoever's wearing the torch is getting double ventures every time they attack. That's potentially like, that's almost the big dungeon. Like if we can get enough of these in a turn, we could potentially complete the big dungeon every turn. Uh, that's an, and that's an achievement if there ever was one. Let's take a sec to talk about initiative, something like Dungeoneer's Pack. Uh, it's a nice little equipment, three, it's not equipment, it's an artifact. It looks like equipment. Three mana, artifact, enters tapped, two tap, sack. You take the initiative, gain three life, draw a card and create a treasure token. Activate only as a sorcery. Cool, you get one of those back as a treasure. It's another artifact that we can use to tap, etc. Safana, Calumport, Cutthroat, two and a black, legendary human rogue, three, two with menace. At the beginning of your end step, if you have the initiative, create a treasure token. Create three of those if you've completed a dungeon. So we don't have to even worry about initiative anymore if we've completed a dungeon. And as I said, I think we'll be completing a dungeon a lot. Three treasures at the end of every turn is strong. Seasoned Dungeoneer. Before I get to the card, if you can look at the art here, I think there's a little bit of a resemblance to Robin, who is Steve's pal in the from the Scoops Ahoy job, uh, played by, I don't know her name, Hawk. Last name's Hawk, daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. Anyway, seasoned dungeoneer, three and a white human warrior, three, four. When this enters the battlefield, take the initiative. And when you attack, target attacking cleric, rogue, warrior, or wizard, any of the party members, gains protection from creatures until end of turn. It explores. It potentially, I mean, that's unblockable. Protection from creatures is basically unblockable. Uh, yeah. You can't you can't put a creature in front of it and there's nothing else you can block with. So surely one of those attacking creatures I mentioned earlier that attacks and ventures is a party member, right? Triumphant Adventurer is a human knight. No. Nadar is a dragon knight. No. Planar ally is an angel. Wizards, please. A Vecna plays a strong role in season four, a big character. So like, of course, we're running the eye hand of Vecna and the Book of Vile Darkness. The eye is a two mana artifact that when it enters, you draw a card and lose two life. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you can pay two. If you do draw a card and lose two life, fine. Hand is a three mana equipment. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, the equipped creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand. Up to 11, might I add, because of 11 being in our command zone. And we can we have to equip it by paying either paying one life for each card in your hand or two mana. This bonus can can be applied to Vecna themselves, a creature named Vecna, if we actually have made Vecna. How do you make Vecna? We gotta have the Book of Val Darkness. Black, 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 legendary artifact. At the beginning of your end step, if you lost two or more life, create a two-two black zombie creature token. Very nice. The Eye of Vecna definitely does that. Or tap, exile this and the artifacts, Eye and Hand of Vecna, and then you create Vecna. Vecna is a legendary 8-8 black zombie god creature token with indestructible. It gains all the triggered abilities of the exiled cards. Ooh, nice. I guess that means you can equip. Does that mean you can equip Vecna to somebody? <laughs> That's a little way weird. Uh, I don't fully understand that. 
anyway, those little demo, demo gorgons, demo dogs, uh, it could be from hell mongrel three and a black nightmare dog. You got to really look at the picture for this one. It's looks just like a demo dog face splitting open into a couple pieces with a bunch of teeth coming in. It's a four, three nightmare dog, discard a card plus one, plus one until end of turn. And it has madness. We've got some looting. So this, we could do that. And then, you know, that big shadowy monster with all the legs that will draws at the end of uh, season two or one or whatever. Uh, take your pick. There's a lot of big horror type creatures that are usually black. Something like gloom sower five black black for a horror eight six when it becomes blocked. That creature's controller loses two life and you gain two life. Not very high power for that much mana. Maybe Arvanox the Mind Flails more your speed. Four black 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 legendary creature horror enchantment creature. Nine nine. Not a creature unless you control three or more permanents you don't own. How do you do that? At the beginning of your end step, exile the bottom card of each opponent's library face down. And as long as those cards remain exiled, you may look at them and you may cast permanents and you may spend mana of any color to cast them. Similarly, Brainstealer Dragon, similar but different, five black black for a flying dragon horror, six six. I'm looking for lots of tentacles, blots out the sky. Heck, blot out the sky also is a card that could work on theme. And all those little inklings, just pretend there's those little bat things. Uh, so here's the Brainstealer Dragon, six six. At the beginning of your end step, exile the top card of each opponent's library. You may play them as, as long as they remain exiled, and you may... If you cast a spell, you may spend mana as though well, that's worded weird. Anyway, the usual XL the top. You can play them for any mana. And whenever a non-land permanent and opponent controls enters the battlefield under your control, they lose life equal to its mana value. Ooh, that's nice. That's my favorite, I think. OK, I have to mention a few more cards that I think are just perfect based on like little events, little things from the show. And more importantly, I have to shout out. Mattisman from our Discord. Uh, this, so many of these cards were Mattisman's idea, who obviously has a much better, deeper, closer understanding of like the a familiarity with the show. Um, you know, our, the, these Discord brew sessions get pretty hectic in there sometimes. The messages are happening fast and furious. I don't remember who said that they just kind of binged a bunch of it. So, and perhaps that's you, Mattisman. Perhaps that's because it's fresh in your mind. Uh, I watched the first, I watched them close to when they came out and I have not rewatched them. So I've forgotten some of this stuff, but I'm going to go over a few more details and special thanks to Madison for these. Um, Smuggler's Copter fits perfectly. This is that two mana vehicle. It's a flying three, three cruise for one. When it attacks or blocks, you can draw a card. And if you do discard a card, you loot looter scooter. I think they called it anyway. Smuggler's Cover, this is like right out of the, the latest season. There's like a, 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 a smuggler type of character who flies a helicopter. So it's perfect. Hostile, hostile or hostile, hostile, whatever you want to call it. This is that land from uh, Midnight Hunt. It looks like the spooky house from season four. It's perfect. For those of you who care about the rules, uh, <laughs> it's a colorless land comes into play untapped and for one and a tap you sack a creature and put a soul counter on it and once you get to three soul counters you remove them and you transform it as a sorcery and then it becomes creeping in and i gotta say the way the creeping in looks it's got those legs the fog it looks like one of those like multi-legged cloud things it looks perfectly anyway it becomes a three seven horror construct 
When it attacks, you can exile a creature card from your graveyard, and if you do, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is the number of creature cards exiled. So they start just losing more things. And you can pay four just randomly to have it phase out, aka go to the upside down for a little bit. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, Who remembers the character Bob Newbie? Is it pronounced newbie? I had to look it up on Wikipedia. This is uh, what Samwise Ganji's character from the an earlier season. Um, love interest to Winona Ryder for a little while there. Uh, great character. Great fun. Uh, Toolcraft Exemplar. This is the one mana dwarf artificer 1-1. One, one, but at the beginning of combat, if you control uh, three or more artifacts, it gets first strike and plus two plus one. Wait. No, it gets plus two plus one if you control one artifact. And if you control three artifacts, it also gets first strike. The notion is, you know, the more clues you give Bob, the cooler he gets, like the better he gets in the show. And that's that makes perfect sense. Also got to throw in uh, there's the Matthew Modine character shows up uh, known as Papa. It's very weird to just very weird it's very weird to me it feels weird to be like you know papa like that's that's something i just that's never been in my vocabulary i always called my dad dad uh anyway ludovic necro alchemist seems like a good papa uh kind of fits too one blue red human wizard one four at the beginning of each player's end step that player may draw a card if a player other than you lost life this turn it's such a confusing sentence here's how i understand it at the beginning of everyone's turn, so no matter who you are, when your turn ends, you draw an extra card if somebody lost life. That isn't me, the controller of Necro Alchemist. And remember what Will does, or what's he called? Warnog, Riders, Champ, Chaplain, Champion. It's Chaplain, but that word always looks like champion to me. Whenever he enters or leaves, each opponent may investigate, and if they don't, they lose one life. So that just plays into Ludovic quite nicely because they will be losing that life, and then you you will be drawing that card. Uh, cool. Also, I don't. I mean, this is it. Just seems to fit, right? So, like, well, what are these monsters from the upside down? There, they look Eldrazi-ish. I mean, heck, I'm not talking about it, but you could throw in a couple of Eldrazi and make that the big bad bo- big bad bad guys bosses. But let's run Handware Ballot Battlements and Handware Garrison. Uh, the land is a uh, it taps for colorless or pay red and tap it give a creature haste until end of turn the garrison is a two and a red creature human soldier two three and when it attacks you put two one one red human creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking and when you have both of them you can pay five and tap the land transform them you know what, what what's the word for this one you may transform and meld, right? You can meld them into Hanweir the Writhing Township, which is just looks like a Stranger Things thing. It is a 7-4 with trample and haste. And when it attacks, instead of putting two 1-1 one, one humans, you put two 3-2 three, two Eldrazi Horror Colorless Tokens tapped and attacking. I've I've run Henry Garrison in a number of decks because I wanted like extra tokens or extra combat kind of things. It's a decent card. If I'm running Hanwar Garrison, I'm just going to put in Hanwar Battlements because it's kind of free and there's to have the chance to turn it into the Writhing Township is awesome. I have never made the Writhing Township before. Maybe this is the deck that'll do it. I think they should both go in here. Okay, last one. Last card I want to mention. Surely, whether you watch Stranger Things or not, you must have heard that 
Kate Bush song, Running Up That Hill. It features very prominently in the fourth season, and it recently recharted again. I think it got some sort of record for like, like it charted when she wrote it and it charted again. It's like the longest gap, like a song has the longest like time that a song like it's not the longest charting song. It didn't chart the most number of weeks. But if you if you look at the time gap, there's been no song that has charted that spans a longer time. I'm having a real hard time expressing this idea. I think you get what I mean. Anyway, running up that hill, there's an enchantment called Uphill Battle. <laughs> uh, it's two in a red, and creatures your opponents enter the battlefield tapped. So it's not great. Well, you know what? It's not awful. It's it's perfect for the theme. I think you gotta include it because that song is so prominent in Stranger Things right now, and. A portion of the deck involves attacking with non-token creatures, getting things through unblocked, doing combat damage. We want our creatures to survive, so we're we're we we don't want things. So you know, having our creatures, our opponents play come and tapped isn't the worst because that just means we've got more opportunities to get in and get those ventures going. So there's the deck. Uh, I must thank the Discord helpers. This is a really fun one. Uh, really fun Bruna theme one. I think we should do theme ones a little bit more frequently. I honestly can't remember the last time I did a real theme deck, but thank you to Nickel Doodle, Chiefy, Micah Eternities Crafter, Papa Dio, Groove Chicken. Special thank you to Mattis Men again for coming up with like the real specific cards that fit. If you can think of a couple cards, shoot me a tweet, something like that. Uh, I mean, really the, another, an easier way to communicate would be to whip on over to the YouTube version of this and uh, make a comment there. Uh, I'll ask the same thing at the end of the YouTube cut, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, this is a fun theme deck and I hope you get some mileage out of the idea to rename cards for your theme decks. In any case, you keep being you. The world is a better place for it. See you next time.